Good evening, my name is Jo and I have the privilege of bringing tonight's Bible reading. The Bible reading is from Colossians chapter 3, verses 5 through to 17. Put to death, therefore, whatever belongs to your earthly nature, sexual immorality, impurity, lust, evil desires and greed, which is idolatry. Because of these, the wrath of God is coming. You used to walk in these ways, in the life you once lived, but now you must also rid yourselves of all such things as these, anger, rage, malice, slander, and filthy language from your lips. Do not lie to each other, since you have taken off your old self with its practices and have put on the new self, which is being renewed in knowledge in the image of its creator. Here, there is no Gentile or Jew, circumcised or uncircumcised, barbarian, Scythian, slave or free, but Christ is all and is in all. Therefore, as God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion, kindness, humility, gentleness and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another if any of you has a grievance against someone. Forgive as the Lord forgave you, and over all these virtues put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as the members of one body you are called to peace, and be thankful. Let the message of Christ dwell among you richly, as you teach and admonish one another in, with all wisdom, through psalms, hymns, and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. This is the word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks so much for that, Joe. Sorry, I've just got a few things I've got to have up here this evening, so I'll need this as well. Very good. Well, sorry for that little bit of a delay, but uh, here we are, and we're about to hear from God's Word, and we are continuing that series, uh, Fruitfulness on the Frontline, which um, was, I was supposed to give you an overview of it last week, and uh, I'll be quite honest, it just didn't come together uh, for me, and so I repeated the message from the morning uh, on salt and light, but the message was very, very relevant to where we had to be in the evening anyway, and um, the subjects really go hand in glove, and so it wouldn't have been a vastly different message that was given. So last week... Uh, I, I, I expounded on the truth that God has given us that every believer is the salt of the earth. Every believer is the light of the world. And we learned that this was a call to reflect Jesus. We are called to reflect His holiness, His love, and His acceptance and we're called to reflect these in such a way that people will see our good works and glorify our Father in heaven because it's evidently not us. It is Him working through us. Being salt is living in a way that reflects God's instructions for preservation of our lives. 
uh, to be poor in spirit, those who present themselves before God with genuine mourning over their sin, those who are meek, coming before the Lord constantly in humility, those who are hungry and thirsty for righteousness. And these are the qualities of the people who are following a totally different path to the rest of the world. That's what it means to be salt. Being light is about faithfully shining his light before all men and is counter-cultural. It is showing mercy to others because God has shown mercy to us. It's about seeking a pure heart because our faith is more than just outward appearances. It's about being peacemakers because we have the joy of being at peace with God. And it's about maintaining joy in the midst of prosecution and persecution because we know who we have believed and we believe his word to be trustworthy and true. So it doesn't matter what happens in the here and now because we are secure in him for all of eternity. It's a call for each and every one of us to be a strong and faithful a Christian in the nine to five, in the everyday life we have outside of church and to proclaim the good news to the lost, to make disciples of them, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded, regardless of where that is. Our Christian walk should be evident in the workshop, in the warehouse, in the office, in the schoolroom, in the car park, in the surgery, in the kitchen, on the sporting field, on the golf course, wherever we are and whatever we do. That is where Jesus is calling us to shine his light and to be his salt. Sadly, for the most part, that doesn't happen. Jesus' great commission to us in Matthew 28 was to go, to go into all the world and to proclaim good news to the lost and to make disciples of them, teaching them to obey all that Jesus has commanded. But so many think and believe that's the church's responsibility. And we bring them to this place and it's the pastor's responsibility to convert them. Nothing could be further from the truth. Let's have a look at a video. This is the missional church. Simple. In the past, Churches have spent large amounts of resources to construct the most attractive places imaginable for the community in which they were situated. Great music, compelling teaching, and a host of programs designed to gather people together were the staple of such church communities. Anyone who wanted to come was welcome, and church members were encouraged to invite their friends and neighbors. Generally, people had a pleasant experience. The people who came and were cared for seemed relatively similar. Education, income, pastimes, race, struggles, and histories seemed to be almost identical. Eventually, someone asked the question, what about all the people who aren't like us, but who live around us? Why aren't they here too? In response, the church increased its marketing budget, direct mailing the community, taking out ads in local papers, buying radio time, releasing a fresh webpage, and offering to host the world's greatest event. The church was determined to be the center of everything great that happened in the community. Church members began to rely on the church to do the work of conveying God's story in the world. If someone could be brought to an event, they could hear about Jesus from a professional teacher. Inviting people became synonymous with evangelism. 
The missional church, on the other hand, empowers its members to be the church in the community. The church trains, resources, encourages, and challenges its people to live out the good news in their community with those who would otherwise be suspicious of a church and its marketing efforts. The church sends out its members to live among people unfamiliar with church customs, songs, and what it holds sacred, just like a foreign missionary. The missional church recognizes then that every believer embodies the life of the church in their neighborhood, in their school, or at their place of work each one of them telling God's story in the context of compassionate and genuine relationships. Which one do you think is us? Which one do you think is biblical? We've allowed our thinking to be turned to centering the work and mission of God around this building. For many of the work hasn't happened in the church, they question whether it can even be considered Christian, whether it's a work of God or not. And I think as a result, the gifts, talents and abilities that so many within the church have, have been misdirected or not used and the church for the most part has failed in their call to go. And I think it's time to wake up. I think it's time to realise that this meeting tonight isn't about evangelism and I don't want you to mishear me the gospel will be proclaimed if non-christians come to this place they will hear but if you look back through the history of the church the type of evangelical events that they have spoken about have been the most disastrous in the church history we have seen fewer people come to faith during those times than in any other time in the history of the church it is when the church goes that we see great things happen. And so we have to change our thinking and we have to be prepared, each and every one of us, to live for Jesus in our every day. Let's pause and pray as we get into tonight's message. Father God, I know I've already upset people. I know there's people here who don't agree with that introduction. Father, will you, by Holy Spirit, open eyes, open ears, open hearts and, and just let us allow you to talk to us. Who cares who's up the front, Lord? This is your work. And my desire is that people will allow you to work through us, that we will want to serve you as Scripture tells us to, Lord. And that, Lord, if we're willing to do this, we will see great and mighty things happen. And, Lord, I thank you. You're already stirring hearts here at SDBC. I thank you for the changes that we are seeing happen, Lord. But, Father, we need more. We need a touch of Holy Spirit. We need an acknowledgement of the things that we need to correct. And we need an encouragement to do the things that you've called us to do. So, Father, please do that tonight. Speak to us and give us a boldness to do what you call us to, I pray. In Jesus' name, amen. Now, as I've sort of alluded to, too, I don't want you to hear me saying that we shouldn't meet as a people of God, but I think you've heard me say many times, I would love this to be a service of celebration. I would love us to come together and there'd just be a buzz where at the start of the service, who's ever leading the service, say, hey, hey, Jeff, can you just sit down? And I, I know you've got so many things to talk about about what Jesus is doing, but can, can we just all sit down? We're going to start the service now and we'll talk more about what's happening. And then these services become a great time of celebration because Jesus has done so much. We 
with, through, and around you during the week that you just want to tell people. And so we celebrate, we empower, we equip, we spur each other on to greater work here on Sunday. So when we go out into whatever our front line is, we're ready for it. And we're encouraged because we know our brothers and sisters, wherever they are, they're praying about opportunities and they're praying about opportunities for us so that we can have an impact upon the world as well. I want you to think about what the disciples were doing in Acts 27. It says that they were gathered together on Sunday to break bread and to share the word. They were coming together in celebration of all that Jesus had done for them and they wanted to share God's word. And I'm sure that they relayed to each other, those who'd come to faith at those times as well. And so there was this, this celebration of God's goodness and they praised him and they built each other up and spurred each other on, as I've said. And we get some non-Christians who come and again, that's great. Let's welcome them, let's encourage them, let's build them up. But when we go out into the world, we have a greater impact upon our communities. This is the church gathered, if you like. These red dots, they're believers the grey dots are non-believers. And so when we gather as a church, regardless of how that's represented with how many red dots, we only have an impact on a very small amount of people. But when you guys head into your front lines, the church scattered, you can see the red dots have an impact on so many people. You guys know people I will never speak to in my life, unless you bring them to church. But you guys have... All these people around you during your week that generally I won't get to talk to. And so if you're empowered and equipped to go and speak to those people, you're going to have a greater impact upon them than we as a gathered people ever will. Does this make sense? Yeah? Because this is what we're talking about. And there's a lot of research that has gone in. There's a guy called Hirsch who's done a lot of research on people who will come to church. There's 15% of the population who will come to church. And we as churches have historically fought with the church up the road to get that 15% to come to us. Who's dealing with the 85%? No one. Very rarely. Anyone. We fight over 15% and let the 85% go to hell. This is you, the church of Jesus, not this building, not this place. This is you in the workshop, the warehouse, the office, whatever, the schoolroom, the university. Jesus Church, you, front line, anywhere and everywhere you go, where you encounter others, that's you on your front line. And being fruitful for the Lord is about being ready and willing to help accomplish His will, the will of God. And His will is that all of creation will be restored to right relationship with Him. He wants the earth and everything in it brought back the way that it was when He created the world in Genesis. And He stepped back and He didn't say, this is okay. He said, this is very good. And he wants to reconcile us to him. He wants to bring us back into right relationship. But then he wants us to have a place where we can dwell, which is perfect as well. And the only place we get to evangelize, the only place we get to proclaim his word, the privilege that comes with that is in the here and now. We won't be evangelizing in eternity. By then, our destiny our eternal destiny and our friends' eternal destinies will be decided. 
So over the next few weeks, we'll be looking practically at some of the things we can do. And I want you to buy into this. You might think some of the stuff's silly, but I want you to buy into this because just taking these little steps will help you to take much bigger steps later on. So first and foremost, I want to talk about a couple of things. There's six M's involved in fruitfulness on the front line. I'll give you a handout at the end of the service. It'll remind you what those six M's are. So the first one is modeling godly character. And as we move through this, I want you to focus on what it means to model godly character. This is all through everything else that we do, uh, from what we discuss and read from God's Word. And I hope no one gathered here or online with us tonight will dismiss this. But they'll understand and put into practice these things which draw them closer to Jesus and reflect Him more and more to a lost world. I'm throwing my wife under the bus again a little bit, but at least I'm going there with her. We like food. There, there's no ifs, buts or maybes about it. We, we just really like food. And uh, my kids will testify to the fact that uh, I've got an incredible cook as a wife. She is absolutely awesome. And then if you go to her mum's place, you know why Elena's such a good cook, because somehow Elena's mum's better. And, and we just love good food. And so when we go out to a restaurant, you know, we don't want to have food that we can have at home. As good as our food is at home, we want to have better food when we go out because we're paying for that. And we also want to have good service. That's why you pay for a meal when you go out, isn't it? For some reason, I don't get that sort of service at McDonald's when I take Elena out. No, no, only joking. But you want the staff to be attentive. Hey, you want them to be enthusiastic about what they're doing and about serving you. And for the most part, we generally experience that type of service and we have uh, been overjoyed with some of the service that we've had. There's been times Elena and I have been travelling where we've had to get a quick meal and we've gone into a restaurant and they've said, look, I'm sorry, all our tables are booked. And then they've looked at the clock and gone, how quickly can you get out of here? And we're like, how quickly can you serve us? We're just here to eat. And they're like, let's do it. And the reserved sign gets whipped off the table and we're sat down and the menus hit the table straight away and we start placing our orders. And the staff are hovering and very attentive. And seriously, sometimes in the end, we've all laughed because the food has just hit the table so quickly and we've been able to eat and get out within like half an hour to three quarters of an hour instead of the general hour, hour and a half that those types of meals are. And so we've had these great occasions where we finished in those time frames and... Um, it's always been such a blessing. So there have been fun times and the staff have been very attentive because they want to turn that table over quickly. And they explain everything on their menus. They explain what's best for us. They explain what's ready right now if you want to grab something very quick. But we've also had the opposite experience where we feel like we're imposing on these people where perhaps we shouldn't have gone in there at all, where we're too big a burden. And I'm sure you've experienced that as well. But I want you to think about the people that gave us the good experience. I've got no idea what is going on in their lives. They may have a disastrous life outside of their work in that restaurant, but they're employed to give me a good experience. So they make a choice when they walk through the door of that restaurant and start their work to put that aside and to focus on giving us a good experience. And it's how they focus which really matters to me. They don't allow what is happening in their own lives to affect their customer. And as a result, we have a great experience. We leave good reviews. And people who know us may go and um, experience um, the places that we go. And how does that relate to our lives? Well, when we give our life to Jesus, we don't lose our free will. 
We can still do what we want. We can go and sin and have whatever fun we want to do. But we should choose to live the way that Jesus would have us to live. We should choose to reflect him and his life. If we're going to live the way that Jesus tells us, then we're going to be literally putting our own desires to death each and every day and willingly submit to the way that Jesus would have us to live. And living for Jesus produces fruit of the Spirit, which is so many of the things that we've heard read out by Joe this evening in that passage. I want you to look again at those verses uh, 12 to 14. Put on then as God's chosen ones, holy and beloved, compassionate hearts, kindness, humility, meekness and patience, bearing with one another. And if one has a complaint against another, forgiving each other. As the Lord has forgiven you, so you must also forgive. And above all these things, put on love which binds everything together in perfect harmony. Is this you? It's not me 24-7. Wish it was. We all make some sort of excuse as to why we can't be like this. But I want to ask you, if Jesus is our example, when you looked at who Jesus was and all he had done for you, did he make a difference in your life? Did he have an impact upon you? And for those who believe in him, the only answer can be, of course he did. It was a huge impact. It was a huge difference. And if he calls on me to live a life that reflects him, I have to do the same thing. Jesus drew people to himself not because of his great looks. We're told in scripture that he had nothing, no appearance with which men were drawn to him. It was the way he acted. It was the way he interacted in, with people. He was kind, humble, loving, patient, forgiving, self-sacrificing, and so many other things. We could spend the entire evening talking about just how Jesus was and how people were drawn to him. But the bottom line is, the very things that we say are too difficult are the very things that drew us to Jesus and the very things he calls us to allow to be reflected in our lives so people are drawn to him through us. This is what we were called to. We are called to live our lives for Jesus each and every moment of each and every day. And committing ourselves to do so, we will become more and more like him. And the thing to remember is that Jesus wants this to happen. For most of us, in the fields that he has placed us. He's not going to call you out of your present situation generally. He's going to ask you to stay there and to be salt and light in that situation. And again, that's your workplaces, that's your universities, that's your social interaction groups, your neighbourhoods. And if we all did that, we'd have an incredible impact for the gospel in this area. Think about those who have the most influence upon you. In my life, in my history, it's those people who ha had an incredible life and an incredible relationship with Jesus. They were the ones that had an impact upon me because they always struck me as different. Even when I was way off the rails, had no interest in Christianity whatsoever, it was those people that drew me because there's just something different about them. They, they stood out. And so these people were seriously committed to Jesus and they were committed to him in such a way that when I asked questions, they always had time. 
They were always willing to spend time with me and talk about their faith. Jesus was like that too. And these people explained to me what it meant to live for Jesus, what joy they had, what positives there were in the Christian faith and walk. And in reality, they were Jesus to me. It was because of those people that I came to faith. And those who live like this, as I say, they stand out. For the most part, people are attracted to them. They don't understand why at first, but they're people who are trusted. They want to know what it is that makes them tick because there's just something about them that, the, that we're all drawn to. And when we talk about a new life in Christ, we're talking about putting to death our old selves. This is that stuff which is very much of the world. Some of these things are selfishness in all of its guises. Greed, anger, slander, not speaking the truth, jealousy, gossip, sexual immorality, drunkenness. And the list goes on and on. But we have been called out of that. We have risen to a new life in Christ. And that new life in Christ is one that honours and glorifies him. None of this has any part in that life. You've heard me say about the Lord's Prayer many times and the one line there that really cut me to the heart several times, hallowed be your name. When we say hallowed be your name, first and foremost we're saying, Jesus, your name is safe on my lips. I will never say it in a way that dishonours you. But the significance in biblical history is that when we're called sons and daughters of the Most High God, we take his name upon ourselves. And so when we say, hallowed be your name, we're also saying, Lord, everything that I do will be done in order to honor and glorify you. I will not do anything that dishonors your name. Just as an adopted father would not want us to dishonor his name, so our heavenly father's the same. When we say, hallowed be your name, we are saying and declaring, I'm going to live for you in such a way, everything I do will be done in Jesus' name. Can we do that? We're going to mess up. Don't think we're not. But we have to continually return to our loving Heavenly Father as He calls us to. We have to continually repent of those things which dishonour Him. And we've got to ask Him to empower and equip us and prompt us when we're headed down the wrong road so we can return and get back on the right path. And so it's about me honouring my adopted Father, He who adopted me, signing off my moments, my days, all the time, in Jesus' name. Compassion, kindness, humility, meekness, forgiveness, love, peace, thankfulness, wisdom. How can we do that in the everyday? It's the second M, making good work. So this, this second point tonight, this isn't about your paid employment, although that should be part of it. Uh, but your good work should happen everywhere you go. And the concept of making good work is about considering Jesus first and foremost in all we do. Uh, the type of work is what is talked about in Ephesians 2.10. You know, um, we are his workmanship, Jesus' workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God has prepared beforehand that we should walk, walk in them. And God has prepared work for us, and it is good works that could be expected anywhere. We may be called to perform 
good work for Jesus while grocery shopping. You've heard Pastor Darrell talk about how he speaks to the checkout people and he just encourages them as well. So it could be we're called to do good work there. We're called to do good work while we're picking up the kids from school, while attending one of our kids' sports, while we're at a dance or gymnastic event or something like that. It could be when we're helping out our neighbour. It could be about making a cup of tea for someone. It could be helping someone move house, providing morning tea for work, buying someone a cup of coffee. So many things which we are going to decide to do, which are out of the ordinary for us, but we want to do them because we want to do good works for those around us. And it's these small things which, which can have a huge impact. I think you've heard me again and again talk about stuff that people have done that they believe God has called us to do. young guy called Tom, after we preached this series in my former church, actually felt God was calling him to take donuts to work. Go figure, donuts. And so Tom was taking donuts to work every Friday for a prolonged period of time and he couldn't see anything happening but he'd always been praying, Lord, I don't know why you've got me doing this but I'm doing it, Lord, please present an opportunity for me. And he got so frustrated because God wasn't doing anything and he was about to give up. He came and he spoke to me and I said, well, what's God saying? Has he told you to stop? He says, no, God's still telling me to buy donuts. I said, well, do buy donuts. And so Tom bought donuts for a couple more weeks and uh, he was putting the donuts in the staff room this day and this guy goes, you're the bloke that buys the donuts why are you buying donuts and tom just told him i I just believe jesus is asking me to bless you guys so i'm more than happy to buy these donuts jesus man well tell me about jesus and tom just goes through this whole conversation with this guy about jesus and then this guy had went and told a few of his friends and then they came and they spoke to tom about jesus as well tom gets to speak to these people because of donuts We've had people do it with cups of coffee. We've had people do it with chocolate brownies. We had a girl do it with chocolate cake. Just doing what they're prompted to do and then seizing the opportunity that is given to them, performing good works. I always encourage people to, part of the doing the good works, uh, who works at McDonald's or has worked at McDonald's? Yeah, do they still throw the gherkins on the windows and stuff like that? Yeah, they do. Do youth groups do that? Oh, everyone went silent. My youth group used to. And when I found out my youth group did that, I blew a cap. That's quite honest. I went off my nut. And they saw the bad side of Charlie real quick. And I said to them, I said, you know, when Jesus fed the 5,000, what did he get the disciples to do? Oh, get in a boat. No, 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 before that. Um, Told the people to go away. No, no, no. We eventually got there. He got them to clean everything up and put it in baskets, did he not? I said, you know, we are called to be examples, to do good work. And one of the things we can do is ensure everywhere we go is left in better condition than when we arrived. I said, next time you go to McDonald's, if I hear you throwing gherkins on the windows, you're going to be in serious trouble. But I want you to clean the place up. I don't care if you made the mess or someone else, I want you to do it. Praise God they did. What sort of impact would that have upon you guys who work at McDonald's if you saw this group of young people picking up all the rubbish that had been thrown everywhere, returning all the trays to where they should be, asking if they can wipe down the tables? You have no idea the impact that had upon that McDonald's. People wanted to know why they would do such a thing. And how hard was that? Whenever I go and use a public barbecue, which admittedly isn't often these days, I always clean it when I leave. So much better than it was when I arrived. I believe we can do things like this, which have an impact upon those around us. This is part of the good work. So, so often 
We are given these abilities to model godly character in our workplaces. And uh, I think we should be doing that. We've got another video we're going to have a look at. So uh, let's look to the screens. Keith is a decorator in Bolton. He's been self-employed for 25 years, changing rooms, changing houses. And for the first 10 years of his life, I don't suppose Keith would say that he really involved God in his work much at all. He was just doing it to earn the money. Then one day he had a car crash. The car completely flipped over. And that caused Keith to reevaluate his relationship with God. From then on, he had two aims, to earn money and to give money away to his church and to charities. And it was like that for 12 or 13 years. Then one day, after a talk in church, a light bulb went on in his head. And he suddenly realized that when he's decorating, He's helping other people lead the lives they need to lead. He's helping a woman with a sick husband because she simply can't do the decorating. He's helping an older man who can't do the DIY anymore. He's helping a family with a disabled child make the kind of home that really works for them. He's serving God by serving people. He's not really doing anything very different in the actual work, but it totally changed his mindset. As he said to me, I'm not working for money anymore. I'm not working to give money away to the church. I'm doing it for God. That's my service. And it's totally transformed my life. So we have this story of Keith he had this serious car accident and as a result, I had this bit of an epiphany where he felt he should be giving more money to the church and giving more money to charity and things like that. And that's great. That's fantastic. And uh, it's a good thing. And I'm never going to deny that. But I don't believe that's what God was calling Keith to do. He, he called him to a greater thing later on. God wanted Keith to see the value in the work that he was already doing. And this is where the body comes into play. We are all individual people. We are all gifted with different talents and abilities. And you will hear Elena and I say again and again, I didn't want to be a pastor. She didn't want to be a pastor's wife. But that's what we're called to. And that's where we are right now. But we're no better than anyone else here. And you guys are called to all different things in life because that is how God has gifted you. That's how he has equipped you. And you should be thankful for the call that he has upon your life. And you should be looking for opportunities to be like Keith and to serve God in the work that he is doing and do it for him and his kingdom. And when Keith realizes this, he has God first and foremost in his mind as he's doing that work. And as he does that, does that work and does it with such joy, people see that and it draws them. And he's given opportunity to speak about Jesus in the midst of that. I think I've shared with you a story about this guy who was cleaning the public toilets in one of the shopping centres I went into. And I couldn't think of a worse job, to be quite honest, because I've experienced how vile people can be. And this guy was just really happy. And I said to him, I said, oh, mate, I said, how are you going today? I said, thank you so much for what you do. He goes, oh, thank you, sir. Thank you. He goes, I love my job. I was like, Really? He goes, yeah, he said, it's an easy job, it's not hard, and I get paid for doing this, and I get to meet so many people. What an attitude. 
I, I can learn something from that. But that's how we should be too. God has blessed us with the gifts, talents, and abilities we have. If you're working, God has blessed you with that work. And we should be thankful the whole day through. And our attitude to that work should change. There are many things we can do to model godly character in our workplaces. We can bring order. We can make provision. We can bring joy. We can bring beauty. We can release potential. All of these things are characteristics of good work. Every task we, can, we perform uh, can be done with a view to make it a positive experience for those involved. And I believe that as Christian men and women, we should be determined to create and make uh, positive experiences for people and encounters that are overwhelmingly positive so that when the opportunity comes to tell them why we are the way we are, we can tell them about the joy of knowing Jesus. Every task we have done should be done with that in mind. The passage we read tonight continues uh, just after uh, here in 3.17. It says, Whatever you do in word or deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Remember I said about hallowed be your name? Everything I do in Jesus' name. That's exactly what it is saying here. Whatever we do in word or deed, do everything in the name of Jesus. And there's a call here to acknowledge that everything we do as children of God should be done in the name of Jesus. These things that we do, when we are called to do them in the name of Jesus, should have his fingerprints all over them. People should be able to see and give glory to God because of how we're doing these things. When people look at what we're doing, they should be blown away. And we should be so passionate, so determined, so loving, caring, compassionate that they want to know what drives us. We need to realize that what we are doing doesn't really matter. It's more important about why we're doing what we do. We need to realize it isn't about working harder. It's about realizing that everything we do becomes an act of worship to God. It isn't about the type of work we do, but it is about how we do that work. Are we doing it while we've been dragged in, kicking and screaming? I'm guilty of that. There's been days where it's just been so hard. Or are we doing it like Jesus is counting on us to get it done? Because he is. He has placed you and he has placed me where we are for a reason. That's your front line. And I want you to think about that. If you are where God wants you to be, then he's wanting a return on that. I think scripture shows that quite clearly. And if he's looking for a return from the front line that you're on, then he's going to come alongside you in the midst of the struggles that you may have there and he's going to strengthen you, he's going to empower you and he's going to allow your, his glory to shine through you as a result of that. And he's going to give you many opportunities in that place. And so... It's not about making a greater effort on your front line. It's about you each and every day, before you head off, taking that time to say, God, I give you full access to every area of my life, including my front lines. And Lord, I want you to shine your light onto my front line and make me aware of the opportunities that you have been providing. Help me be willing to embrace those opportunities and to act when you prompt me to, Lord. The passage in Colossians continues and it gives some examples of how we should be living. Wives, submit to your husbands as is fitting to Christ. Husbands, love your wives and don't be harsh with them. Children, obey your parents. Children, obey your parents 
Oh, sorry, I've written that twice. Um, Fathers, don't provoke your children. Let's skip over that. Uh, Slaves, obey your masters when they are there and when they are not. These were things that were opposite to what was generally accepted in those times. But that is what we're called to do. We are called to serve, to humble ourselves, to look to others before ourselves, things that are counter to culture. Paul wanted people to think about how they did their relationships and be aware of the way the Lord is so different and his ways are so different to what is accepted in the rest of the world. And he says again, whatever you do, whether in word or deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. So there's a couple of things I want to challenge you with this week. After church tonight, I want you to come down. I'm just going to put a couple of things on the piano so they're going to be easy to find because the chairs are going to get packed up. So I'm going to put these couple of things on the piano. I'd like you to talk to someone that you don't know that well tonight. I want you to have that conversation. I want you to tell each other about your front lines, the places where you are most throughout your week, which perhaps you haven't told uh, others about. And, And I want you to pray for each other in those places. You might want to do this in small groups and things like that. It won't take long. So I just ask you to be willing to do that. And... I want you to work out how you can be doing good work uh, on that front line. You may discuss it again together if you don't have ideas. You know, what can I do in order to uh, bring good work to this place? It needs to be something different to what you would normally do, I think. The other thing is, um, as I say, I've got these couple of items. These are reminders. Um, The first one is uh, a little wallet size. Um, card. This actually has the six M's on it, so uh, I I encourage you all to take one of those. They're laminators so they won't get damaged. Put it in your car, put it in your wallet, Uh, just put it somewhere where you can see it, um, so that as we move through this series, you'll be reminded of the six M. The other one is this form, and the reason I'm giving this to you is again to have something which will call you back to what we've talked about tonight. We have this opportunity to do good work, not just work, this coming week, and so What we've got here is a form where at the end of each day this week, I just want you to sit down with God. I want you to pray. I want you to ask God to reveal to you those things, those opportunities you've had, that good work, and just fill in what you did for that particular day. This week, you're going to leave here. You're going to go to your front line. I want you to be conscious of the work you do and whether the work you do is good for others or not. And... As I say, it may be that good work of bringing order, helping to take out the rubbish or uh, picking rubbish up. It may be about making provision, you know, bringing someone a cup of coffee. It may be bringing joy, making a birthday cake or sending an encouraging word to someone. It could be bringing beauty, taking flowers into a workplace that doesn't normally get that type of thing or cleaning up a particular area that doesn't look so good. Uh, even releasing the potential of someone, telling someone about something you've seen in them, a quality that isn't often appreciated and shown, and, and just speaking into their lives and encourage them. And as you do, ask God to help you. Ask God to reveal to you the good work that you can do and what he has planned for you in tomorrow so that you can bring that good work. And next Sunday, I want you to bring these slips back. And I want to hear some of the things that you did. I want to hear some of the stories. I want us to encourage each other in doing this type of thing. Do you think you can do that? I heard yeses, so that means all of these are going to be gone uh, 
after tonight. So guys, we've got to pack up the chairs as well. I'm going to pray. Worship team is going to come back up and we'll do one more song. Let's just pray. Father God, I thank you so much that you call someone like me. And Lord, you didn't call me just to sit and wait for your return. You called me to be involved in your work. And Lord, that's true of every person here, every person who's hearing my voice, those online as well. Lord, you have good work for us to do. And Lord, all we have to do is make ourselves available to you, submit to you and your call, and you will take us and use us for your glory and purposes. And that's my prayer tonight, Lord, that each of us will feel a prompting from you, that we'll have a desire to live and work for you this week, regardless of where we are and what we're doing, and that, Father, that'll be work that encourages others to ask about you so we can tell them about Jesus. I pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.